Hey everybody. Hello and welcome. We're back. We are back. We made it through the uh, Snowmageddon of Colorado. Yeah, we just got over a really good storm that uh, took us through Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. How many inches? Um, out front, it, I would say the, the ruler was 15 inches and it dropped all the way down, plus a good hand of mine. So about 19, 20 inches. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Yeah. and 14, Not quite two feet. But, yeah, 14 uh, and back. Okay. But because of is, the fences. Yeah. The fences, we have a really high privacy fence in the back and it was, it secured it. But man, there's a lot of snow. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it. It's like on top of our roof and it like even overhung. Yeah, it looks crazy. Hung down a little bit. You can see it on other people's houses in the neighborhood too. They still mm -hmm. have snow, little overhangs. Mm -hmm. But the sun is out and it's, it's melting. Trying, yeah, it's, it's like at 32 or 33 degrees or something now and trying to yeah. melt already. So that's it one is. of the nice things about Colorado. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't just stay no, you no, know, no. like this. If, if you get a blizzard, a lot of times as soon as it's over, it's sunny the next day. Yeah, and it'll melt within like a week and mm -hmm. it'll um, be beautiful and it melts into your grass and it makes it, I mean, it's so nice for the springtime, so. Yeah. Yeah. Colorado, I mean, we have crazy weather, but then, you know, one day's blizzard is the next day's sunshine and the birds are out and the squirrels mm -hmm. are out and they don't care. Yeah. I think that they said that there's 300 sunny days on average in Colorado. Yeah, I believe so that's it. that's pretty good. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But we're ready for summer. Oof. What else is going on? What's new with you? Um, well, I just worked and now I don't have to do anything else for the rest of the day. But not much. Just wait for this weather to be over. Uh-huh. Because we can't really go anywhere. Our streets are not clear yet. No, no. We're stuck here for today unless we want to walk out of here. Yeah. We just have a little front-wheel drive cars, so... Yeah. But uh, I finished uh, updating my website today, so I've been meaning to do that for months. So that was uh, progress on my business end. I finally got um, everything kind of up to date with my clients. Uh -huh. So I had a couple hours to actually work on my website. Maybe it'll get you some business. Yeah, I'm gonna. That's my next thing. When I have, um, I'm gonna make that. A couple hours a day of getting new business because I have some slots open if you're interested in a social media manager. Yes. Yeah. The, the point of that website is to try to bring in um, new business, right? Yes. I have um, established clients and they're happy and um, so I have spots open. If anybody needs a social media manager, email us. Nice. What about you? What's going on? Uh, well, uh, for exercise today, I shoveled. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> I did the um, the driveway and the sidewalk in our front yard, and then in the backyard, I dug a path for our cat to run around a little bit, and for you, so you can get around and um, you have little feeding stations for the squirrels and the yes. birds around the yard. Yes. So, um, but it was a really wet, heavy snow, so Ooh. that was my exercise for the day. You don't need to do anything else. So, while you were exercising, I played Rocksmith on um, oh, yeah. PlayStation, and uh, I'm practicing this um, this uh, solo part on the guitar for um, I Am The Highway by Audio Slave. It's a really fun solo, and I'm always kind of close when we play it, but if you're off at all, it sounds horrible. So I'm trying to get to where, because Pam loves to play that song. It's one of the songs that she chose to practice for her bass yes, lessons. I love it. And I want to be a good 
guitarist for your bass part. You are a good guitarist. Well, thank you. So that's what I did. I, it just takes practice. I, and I had a lot of fun just yeah. playing that solo and, mm -hmm. and uh, repeating it and trying to get it into my head a little bit. That's how I have to learn those mm -hmm. solos is repetition. That's one of our hobbies is he plays guitar. He's a bassist. You were a bassist first or a guitarist first in high school? Uh, probably a guitarist first. And then you got involved with the bass, and you're really yeah. good basses. I love playing the bass. Yeah, but now you're into guitar. Yes. I love playing the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so we play a lot of Rocksmith, which is a video game, if you don't know, um, that teaches you how to play an actual instrument. Like, you plug in an actual electric bass or an actual electric guitar. Yes. And you can play rhythm guitar. You can play lead guitar. You can play... Um, bass and if you don't have a bass you can plug in your guitar and switch to what is it called a something em emulated bass emulated bass mm -hmm. so you can play the bass on your guitar and you can play so many songs from so many different genres of music yeah and next we're going to get the PS we're, we play, play it on PS3 but we're going to play it on our PS4 or PlayStation because they let you sing. Yeah, there's a karaoke yeah. um, feature to the PS4 version, and we, so. we really want to try that because we like to play um, karaoke games. Yeah, we play Sing Star and stuff like that. Yeah. So we just like to do music stuff. We do. So shall we have a sip of our drink today? Yes. We are each having a seltzer and a shot of rum. Yes, you're having a Bud Light strawberry seltzer, and I'm having Michelob Ultra Organic spicy pineapple yes i love those Michelobes, but they're a little bit more expensive and they're the only ones you like to drink so i'm trying to save those oh, for thanks, you babe. yeah um i like no sugar and even if it is a, even the some of the ones that have sugar are still too sweet for me it kind of makes me nauseous or nauseated whichever the correct yeah gram grammatically correct version is yeah but these Michelob ultras do not make me uh it doesn't it's not sickening sweet yeah so cheers cheers we're gonna sip it. Mm. I hope you all, all had right. a drink ready. <laughs> so anyway, this is Tell Me All About It, the podcast where we each pick a subject and we tell each other and you all about it. Um, if you have any comments, questions, um, email us at tellmeaboutthething at gmail.com. That is tell me about the thing at gmail.com and uh, follow us on Instagram at tell underscore me underscore podcast and all of our links and information are in our podcast bios on whatever platform you are listening on there's a few now that we're on yeah there's a lot mm -hmm. pretty fun to see yeah we even have a website now and that link is on the uh, podcast bio um, you can listen to all the podcast episodes on our website so you can click on that nice we've got an archive we got an archive i've always wanted to say that uh, I, I i have an archive well you have an archive now i've got an archive it's almost like something a super villain would say Ooh, and a layer. We need a layer. We do. We need a layer. And a I, gun I guess that would be the crawl space. Yeah. <laughs> and a wall thing. of guns. Yes. I, I think villains should always have a wall of weapons. Yeah, or behind, like swords. behind like some doors or something. Yeah, you push a button and it just like the door, the wall slides. Uh huh. But I don't know how to do that, so. We'll work on it. Okay. We'll keep you guys updated <laughs> on our on our wall of guns <laughs> and layer progress. Yeah. Uh, so I think you are going first this week. Okay. So uh, 
what you gonna talk about? Well, I'm glad that you have a lighthearted, upbeat mm. subject this week because mine is a downer. Mm. I'm gonna bring you guys down and then Pam will cheer you up again. Yeah. So hopefully by the end of the podcast, you'll at least emotionally be where you were before we started. Regulated, we want to balance. Yeah. Yes, we, we don't want to upset anybody. No. Um, but um, I didn't know that it was gonna be so upsetting when I started doing the research, but by the time I was done, I was actually a little bit affected by it. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, so last week, was the 10 year anniversary of the Fukushima nuclear yes. power plant yes. incident. They had an earthquake, floodwaters came in, killed their generator power. This is in Japan, right? Yes, and it caused a meltdown. One of the worst in uh, nuclear power history. So I thought that I would um, talk a little bit about um, just, I don't know, just some nuclear power incidents. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like what happens, you know? And um, and also, you know, just nuclear nuclear stuff in general, okay. nuclear incidents that have happened over history. And man, it's crazy when I started doing the research how how much of it is from people. You know what I mean? Like people, mistakes. people. Yes, mistakes that yeah. people made. We're the worst. And um, and in one case, even neglect. It's crazy. And Chernobyl, too. I was you know? going to say, if you haven't seen, we watched the miniseries, Chernobyl. It was really good it's, if you haven't seen it. It's amazing. So uh, rent it or stream it, mm -hmm. Chernobyl. It, I think it won a bunch of awards, it did. too, didn't it? It did. It and is, it should have. It should God, have. We were it like, felt like you were right there. We were shocked. Yeah. It, it's crazy good. And it's... Uh, it never gets dull. Like, there's no lull. They cut the fat off of Chernobyl, that miniseries, where yeah. you, it's action. Yeah. And it's really, you're just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. It's, but, it's them trying to deal with it. Oh, like, my like God. They're trying to fix it and get it under control. Oof. And, man, it's crazy. It will shred your adrenals. It is really good. Yeah. So go ahead, babe. Tell us all about it. Okay. Um, as of 2014... There have been more than 100 serious Ooh. accidents and incidents from the use of nuclear power, which is a oh shocking statistic God. to learn until you start to think about, you know, who is in control of these um, nuclear powered facilities. Flawed humans. Usually the government. Oh, yeah. Well, flawed humans. And they don't want you to know. No. They don't want you to know these things. You know, they don't want it to get out to the public no. and, and for it to be common knowledge. You know, so I think they hide it as long as they can. And then when, when it does come out, when somebody leaks it or, you know, goes public with the information, um, they try to sweep it under the rug and oh, minimize yeah. it as best they can, you know. And even, you know, to the extent where they'll, they won't report all of the injuries and deaths oh, no. that occurred. Mm -hmm. And I think Chernobyl was another example of that as well. Um, 57 of those 100 plus incidents have occurred after the Chernobyl disaster, which happened in like 1986, I think. That is crazy. So, I mean, it's still ongoing. It still happens. We it's don't unbelievable. learn from our mistakes. I know. And something as powerful as nuclear power, I mean, it should really, it should be taken more seriously, obviously, than it is. 60% um, of all nuclear accidents have occurred in the USA. Of course. So 
you know, it's Homer Simpson. You want to you want to look at Chernobyl and be like, oh, how could they be so neglectful? Well, no, don't look at you know, don't look at Russia until you take a good look at ourselves, the USA. Yeah, absolutely. Three Mile Island was a major one. Um, so the definition of a nuclear incident is when it um, when the reactor core gets damaged and significant amounts of radioactive isotopes are released. Um, two of the most noticeable or notable incidents are Chernobyl in 1986 and Fukushima in 2011. And I think a lot of um, you know a lot of this stuff, you know, I see it over and over again. They say um, these meltdowns and um, core core reactor explosions happen because they they don't think it can ever happen. Right. And so they're not taking the preparation, they're not taking the steps to, excuse me, prevent it. Can I say in Chernobyl, what I, what I really appreciated about that miniseries is um, they, they are talking to each other, but they're really talking to, to the audience like you have no idea what happens when a core melts down. So right, they, they right. take you step by step and tell you why it's a big deal, tell you what, like you can't throw water on it. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. work like that. And to cool it down, it takes time. Like there's a whole procedure and they walk you through it. So it's like, um, it's really like nuclear meltdowns for dummies. Yeah, they're educating you. They're educating And showing you. you what happened. And it made me very informed and I appreciate that uh, miniseries. Whoever wrote that, mm-hmm. they're geniuses. Yeah. And I'm probably making some assumptions for our listening audience that, um, you know, you know, I probably should, you know, be educating at the same time that I'm, you know, talking about these things because a lot of people have no idea what like a reactor core is or right. um, plutonium rods or anything like that. Yeah. And if you, but like, if you watch Chernobyl, they'll, t- they explain everything. Yeah. So yeah, they'll, totally. they'll give you a, they'll give you the 411. Mm-hmm. Um, the first nuclear reactors were constructed in 1954, and after that, they just popped up everywhere and by everybody. You know, everybody stole the technology and started mm-hmm. making their own. Um, they use them for weapons. They use them for power. Um, they even use them for transportation in the case of um, nuclear subs. And air, aircraft carriers now, I think, have oh, geez. nuclear power as well. And there's been incidents of those, too, as you can imagine. I mean, they're military vehicles, so... Um, the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, um, claims, you know, they kind of define it as an event that leads to significant consequences to people, the environment, or a facility. You know, that, in their opinion, is an accident or an incident. Right. Um, lethal effects to individuals, large radioactivity release to the environment, or just a full-on reactor core meltdown. Um, And as I was saying earlier, there's been some significant nuclear-powered submarine accidents as well, which is horrible because, you know, then it's contaminating the ocean water. water. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Way to go. Um, The one that I researched, and and there were several, and most of those were um, Soviet submarines. I don't know why. Um, this K-431 in 1985, it was a Soviet military submarine, and it exploded during refueling. Oof. And this was in um, Vladivost- Vladis- 
Vladivostok, Vladivostok in Russia. There were 10 deaths and 49 injuries, and I, I read about way more deaths and way more injuries from other submarine accidents, too. Um, Time magazine claimed that this was one of the world's worst nuclear disasters, period. Um, what they were doing was refueling at a fueling station. And the first thing that I asked was, if it's a nuclear-powered sub, why do they have to be refueled? Right. Well, apparently what, what happens is the, um, the rods, the nuclear stuff in the submarine, um, they'll run out of power before their half-life, which is, I think, like 50 years or something. So they have to go into port, and they kind of refurbish the... Um, the plutonium, I think it's usually plutonium rods. They refurbish them, pull out the contaminated water, and put in new cooling water so that they can go back out again and run around. So it's like so quote refueling unquote, is refueling. really just water. Kind and of. Refurbishing swa- the rods. Yeah, swapping out the water and refurbishing the rods. And I'm sure that I'm oversimplifying it, but that's the gist of it. Yeah. And then, and then it, it's nice because if it's a nuclear-powered sub, you can just go out again, you know, and yeah. you, you know, you only have to come into port to get food or supplies or whatever for the men. Um, and women. And women, yes, absolutely, naval women, sea women. Sea women. <laughs> um, so what happened was there was a, a refueling lid, okay, that goes over these rods. It was improperly replaced after the fueling. And so they lifted it back up again. And by this time, at this point, the rods were connected to the lid. So, because they had tr- they tried to close the lid. So they lifted the lid, and there was supposed to be a bar to prevent the lid from lifting too high up. It, because if it's exposed to the atmosphere, it's no longer being cooled. And right. it starts reacting like crazy fast because it's not cool anymore. So there was this bar that was only supposed to let the lid lift up a couple of inches so they could replace it correctly. Well, that bar was not properly in place oh, either. So the lid lifted too high and nuclear fission started occurring at a really fast rate. And what it did is it just exploded. It blew up um, everything in the sub. It blew through the hull. It blew up the bulkhead. It also exploded the fueling shed that was in port, and it ha- it created a four-hour-long fire. So they had to put out this fire first. After they put out the fire, then they could start dealing with the radiation that oh, happened. Geez. So, I mean, it was a nightmare. And what happened was it shoots this radioactive gas cloud into yeah, the air. of course. Which contam- you know, then the wind carries it to a nearby forest, and it contaminated that forest. So that's, I think that's why Time called it one of the worst nuclear disasters in history. Okay. And I didn't really know that about the nuclear subs. Mm-mm. That, I, you know, I, I thought you would hear all about it if, if there was, you know, a nuclear-powered sub that had an incident, but there have been several. I don't think we as a people hear half the crap that has gone on. How right. many close calls? How many times we've almost yeah like the the world is destroyed? Who yeah? Who knows? Absolutely, I totally agree. Just enjoy your life while you can, people. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and we're lucky in America. We've got a free press 
here, but there's still stuff that our government, you know, does not right. want us to know about. Um, okay, so as far as nuclear reactor attacks, this is more and more of a threat over time, where there can be military strikes on a nuclear reactor, which would be devastating. Yes. Um, there can be military occupations or invasions. Um, civil disobedience is a risk that has been studied recently um, and considered serious. Uh, however, the attacks that have actually done something to nuclear reactor attacks, um, I, actually I think military strikes have too, um, but cyber attacks are... Oh, yeah. um, are actually responsible for a couple yeah. of uh, nuclear reactor issues. Um, in June 2010, an Iranian nuclear facility, I think that made weapons, was attacked by um, what I saw was uh, USA and Israeli hackers. And um, what they did was switch off safety devices in the facility, and they caused a centri centrifuges to spin out of control. And I didn't see what kind of damage that did to the to the reactor, but it probably set them back. Yeah. Um, also in December 2014, um, there was a nuclear plant operating program in South Korea that got hacked um, through phishing emails. And what they did was insert malicious codes, and they stole information about the plant in South Korea for whoever whoever was making these this malware up. Yeah. And I don't know if they ever found out or anything. I think they stopped it eventually. Good lore, people. But it's terrifying to think that, you know, some kid sitting in his mother's basement could <laughs> theoretically <laughs> cause a nuclear meltdown. Yeah. You know, you, it, it would be nice to think if you could, um, you know, if you could kind of vacuum seal the, you know, the control system for a nuclear reactor and keep it from being networked to the outside world at all. But I don't know if that's possible in this day and age. Um, okay, and the big one. In August of 1945, Harry S. Truman ordered the use of a uranium gun design bomb called Little Boy. And they dropped that over Hiroshima, Japan, um, in an attempt to end World War II. And also, the use of a plutonium implosion design bomb called Fat Man over Nagasaki, Japan, um, which killed 120 to 140,000 civilians and military personnel instantly, and then thousands more over the years from radiation sickness and related cancers. There's a movie about it, too, called Fat Man and Little Boy. Oh, is there? Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever saw it. But um, I think that is just sad and tragic that Terrifying. you know that that's how you've got to you, you know that you've got to resort to that to end the war. I can't imagine the environmental impact on. Well, was it to end the war or was it revenge for Pearl Harbor? I don't know. I I could not say that. When did Pearl Harbor happen? I don't know. How long before August 1945? August 1945. I'll look that up. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, everything that I've read in the history books was they, you know, that Truman thought that it would bring the end of the war, you know, in favor of the, yeah, the Allied forces. Yeah, that's uh, the history books for you. Well, that's true, yeah. Um, December 7th, 1941. Okay, so it was four years later. I wonder if it was an election year. 
Who knows? I don't know. Um, and finally... Um, I'm asking the hard questions, man. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you're not playing softball today. Um, I, and I, I just learned about this yesterday, and this, this one drove me crazy. Um, and it was called the Kishtim disaster. And the reason why I'm telling you about this one, and I'm going to end my, um, my talk with this one more or less, is because it is arguably the worst... Um, nuclear reactor disaster in terms of casualties and damage I've never and heard of it. exactly and that's what's crazy about it um, because the Russian government tried to they kept it secret for so long and what date is this 1957 oh, geez very early on in nuclear reactor history okay um, they it was a plutonium production site uh, for weapons and fuel mm-hmm. in uh, God I'm gonna it is okay. It. Just say some Russian Chel- city. Chelyabinsk Oblast in Russia. Okay. Um, and it is considered to be, by some, the worst reactor incident. Um, and it's the second worst um, in radioactivity released, second to Chernobyl. Um, but it's so hard to get a figure on you know, how many lives were destroyed, how many people were killed, and how much radiation poison, and, you know, what was affected by this. Um, because they keep everything secret. They didn't say anything for so long, and then when they did, they tried to minimize mm-hmm. it and say, it's, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and one of the worst things about this is it really seemed to come about from neglect, and I'll get into that. Um, 22 villages were exposed to radiation, 10,000 people were evacuated in like the first week or so. Um, That's too late. (laughs) Yes, I know. know. In Chernobyl, they evacuated Mm 335,000. In Fukushima, they evacuated 154,000. Oh, and Fukushima, by the way, is still. um, Oh, yeah. It's still radiated. You Mm -hmm. can't live in that area. You, You can go in there. You know, if you're wearing a protective suit, but it's not habitable. And what I read was that it's going to take $10 billion to clean it up, and it's going to be a very difficult cleanup, and it's going to take years and years to erase the effects of that explosion. Yeah, they just had a special on NHK. I love the NHK channel. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about it and they were showing people going back to like their farms and stuff and yeah. looking. It is so depressing. Oh, it's people sad. People have so they had lives, you know, they it's just over. Yeah. Um okay. You're right. This is a downer. It is, and I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. We need this information. It took 2 years to evacuate some of the villages that were affected. And, you know, by then, way too late. And it's called what? Um, Kishtim. 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 All right, Kishtim. The Kishtim disaster. And they, I don't know if the plant itself had a name. They called it the Kishtim disaster because it was a, it was just a town that was nearby that was affected by the explosion. Um, Before, before it was even a disaster, before the explosion that I'm going to describe, it was already an environmental disaster. What I read was that they were dumping radioactive waste into the river next to the plant and 
this river just carried it into the Arctic Ocean. Oh, nice. Uh, so Here you go, polar bears. Yeah, I know, it's horrible. Um, the reactors themselves were discharging contaminated water into a lake. The, they were, I think they were pulling lake water in to keep yeah. the rods cool. Then, you know, they would, the water would get heated up and irradiated, and then they would just dump it back into the lake again. So they started to see that the lake was getting horribly contaminated and irradiated. So they started using another lake that was nearby. Um, that lake has the honor of being the most polluted spot on Earth. Oh, nice. Yeah. Way um, to go. Lake Karachay is the second lake that they started using. Um, but the actual explosion happened because what they had were these different cooling systems to try to keep these rods cool. One of the cooling systems in a tank failed, okay? And nobody ever repaired it. They just didn't bother to fix it or it wasn't on the agenda or they didn't have the manpower and it just went unrepaired and so it just continued to rise in temperature until it caused a chemical explosion. Um, within 10 to 11 hours, there was a radioactive cloud released that had reached 220 miles from the site itself. And the Russian government never said anything about it. They kept it completely quiet. They did evacuate the 10,000 people, like I said, within about a week but they refused to, to give any sort of explanation as to why. Um, finally, in 1976, a Soviet dissident made the incident public, and they didn't believe him at first either. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, um, they verified it from some other Russian scientists who um, kind of corroborated his story, and they were like, oh, okay, he wasn't full of shit that whole time. So it's crazy like how long it took like after... 1976, um, so 57, 67, 77, about 20 years after the explosion, oh it was actually made public. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, they did a study in 2002 that showed that the radiation levels at Kishtim are near harmless now. However, there are still some workers and some riverside populations nearby, and they are still affected. Of course they are. They have birth defects. They Absolutely. Have yeah, rates cancer. of cancer. Yeah, a lot of um, cervical cancer and mm -hmm. prostate cancer, mm -hmm. I read for some reason. I don't know why it goes there. But there's also like immune, um, like lymphoma and things like that, and definitely a lot of like um, low birth weight and a lot more miscarriages, which they always try to say, you know, there's no correlation oh, yeah, between, of they do. you know, all these incidents of cancer and, you know, some nuclear incident that you're mm -hmm. talking about that happened 20 years ago. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I'll end with the, the Rocky Flats facility, oh, yeah. which is right in our backyard. Oh, yeah. It's in Arvada, Colorado. And they made these um, triggers, I think, for nuclear bombs for years and years during the Cold War. In Arvada? Well, it's on the way from Arvada to um, Boulder off of Highway 93. Oh, okay. But I think technically, like, the mailing address of what Rocky Flats was was Arvada. Okay. Um, and it was a closed government facility until the CIA and the FBI did a joint um, strike team and went in well, and raided a, the place. They must have had an insider. Probably, yeah. What do you call that a 
Somebody who tells everything. Um, a mole? No, no, no. A whistleblower? Whistleblower. There you go. We had a whistleblower. <laughs> they had a whistleblower. Well, they went in and they found um, just the worst horrible environmental, um, what do you call it? Negligence? Yeah. Like, like they just were doing horrible things with all this um, nuclear waste, basically. They were like burying it <sighs> and putting it in steel drums that were not built oh, to disposal? house. Yeah, they weren't disposing of it properly. They weren't handling it correctly. And it was just another environmental nightmare that the government didn't want you to know about. So they got penalized. It was, I think it was one of the worst um, EPA penalties in history at the time. So um, eventually it got shut down. Good. And turned into kind of a, I think it's like a, like an animal sanctuary almost now. I don't know what they call that. You know, like you can't hunt on it and you can't mess with the animals there. Um, studies now do say that it's like um, safe. They're right. And I think that there's even some uh, manufacturing facilities where Rocky Flats used to be. But who knows, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. And, and I don't know who to trust anymore. Like, how do you trust a government that tries to first cover it up and then say, well, it's been years, it's, it. it's safe now, you know. But if, if I lived in that area, you know, I would be on high alert. I'd be watching for... Three-headed you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Are there more cases of cancer in my neighborhood? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's crazy, and it's everywhere, and it hasn't stopped. You know, nuclear powers as you know big as it ever was, and well, that's what they do. They don't they don't care about the future. They just care about the profits right now. Yeah, so. and there's not an easy answer. You know, if you took away nuclear power, you know, how do you how do you supply the power that the world is demanding without that? Because it's one of the you know it's cheapest. I think it's one. one I think it's one of the yeah mm -hmm. biggest sources of power yeah. in the world. So. I hope that your I hope that your talk is going to be good enough to bring us back from the brink. All right. Don't have any sharp objects with well, you. That was a good talk. <laughs> Thank you. I liked it. I'm very <laughs> informed. Yes, I you know it just started out with you know oh it, it was Fukushima ten years ago. Let me talk about that a little bit, and then by the end I was you just went like down the rabbit hole. Oh my God! What did they do? <laughs> what have they done? You bastards! Okay, well, we're going to take a break, and we will be right back. All right, we're back. Well, mine isn't that serious. Okay. So. You um, said yours is going to be lighthearted this week. It's pretty lighthearted. Um, it's informative, but, um, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> um, excuse me. It's no uh, meltdown statistics. No, no, no. We were, talking <laughs> a, uh, we were talking last week, we were in a fitness plan, we were cutting back on a lot of stuff and implementing uh -huh. a lot of stuff. We're doing a lot of vegetables and cutting back on alcohol. Yeah. And we've already done it this week, so... Um, the time has come. Yeah, so we're exercising all the time and um, implementing a little intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. Intermittent fasting. If you want to hang out with us, Friday is going to be the day to yeah, do that. Yeah, we're fun on Friday. Until then, we are... Yeah. We are stick up your butts yeah friday's when we this, have our cheat meal yeah, drink this celery juice and mm -hmm. eat these vegetables mm -hmm. so i decided to talk about 
uh, fad diets over the years. Oh, that's fun. And there's some crazy shit. Oh, God, I bet, yeah. yeah. So uh, people have tried everything under the sun to lose weight or get quote-unquote healthy and fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to discuss diets over the years and then talk about some that are popular right now. Oh, cool. Um, so let me start by saying a disclaimer. Um, healthy is in the eye of the beholder. So some people think healthy eating means, you know, just eat or eating clean or they think that means, you know, juicing or vegetables and fruit only. And some people think, oh, well, high carb, like high starchy um, tubers and rice and get rid of the fats. Mm -hmm. And then some people think it's no, no, no. It has to be, you know, organic grass fed meat and vegetables. That's all you eat. Well, and fat, a lot of fats, high quality fats. Well, we're not going to talk about that. Okay. So we're just talking about... I was about, hoping you were going to put that to rest once and for all and no, be like, no, 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 this is what healthy means. Healthy means whatever works for your body. Yeah. So. That's a nice way to look at so it. So we're going to talk about fad diets. I'm not saying any of these are right or wrong. I'm just telling you what people in different... What they've um, done. What they've done over the <laughs> decades and what they're doing now. Okay, fun. Kind of defining them. Uh-huh. So in the 1920s, we had the cigarette diet. We're going to start off with that. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. Hello, kitty. Hello, apricot. That's our cat. She just came in. She just woke up from a nap. Oh, she finally had a nap. She was exhausted. Um, Lucky Strike, the cigarette company, introduced a campaign focusing on tobacco's ability to suppress your appetite. It does do that. Does it? Oh, yeah. I was a smoker for years. Oh. And um, I, I, I was never as skinny as when I was a smoker. And that's why models and actors smoke. I, I do think that is true. Thin. Yeah, I think they do that, I mean, among other things, for that reason, yeah. because it helps them to stay thin. Um, their tagline was "Reach for a Lucky instead of a Sweet." Suggested that, and it suggested that a person could grab a smoke instead of eating. Um, the 1930s, it was the grapefruit diet, which I think we've all heard of the grapefruit diet, or most of us. Uh-huh. Um, the grapefruit diet, also known as the Hollywood diet, lasts for about 10 to 12 days, and the belief was that there were enzymes in this fruit that helped you burn fat. Therefore, by eating a grapefruit with every meal, you would subsequently lose weight. On this diet, you eat less than a thousand calories a day, and that's why you lose weight, by the way. Yeah, really. Um, You cut back on sugar and carbs, uh, carbohydrates, which include, you know, things like rice, potatoes, pasta, bread, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And you avoid certain foods, like why you would avoid celery and onions, I have no idea. Um, and you eat foods that are high in protein, fat, and, and uh, cholesterol, such as eggs, pork, and red meat. I think we should switch to the grapefruit diet. <laughs> I like that. Except for the 1,000-calorie thing. Yeah. Now, how many, tell the, tell the listeners, how many calories does an average person eat in a day? It just depends on the person. Like, probably back in the day, um, decades ago, it was a, probably about... 2,000 calories. Okay. I think the average American eats a lot more because they're eating they're eating three times a day and they're snacking all day long, so it's just a lot of crap. So the average American eats more than 2,000 oh, yeah. calories a day. Oh, yeah. So in the 1930s, this grapefruit diet was 1,000 calories per day. Well, and you, I mean, back then, you didn't... They didn't eat as much. And you didn't snack. There were no snacks until the 1950s when the food people got, when the... Uh, 
food manufacturers got involved in, oh, you need to eat in between meals and have cookies and milk when you come home from school. There, it's, it's a gimmick, all the snacking. Yes, it to is. To sell food. Yeah. You don't need all the snacks plus three meals a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the portions were tiny. Back you know, then, you yeah. Didn't, you didn't do that. Yeah. Everything was smaller back then. Houses were smaller. Yes, absolutely. Um, plates were smaller. Yeah, cups were smaller. And my coffee cup right now is a little soup bowl um, cup from the 1960s. It's yeah, tiny. yeah, that's a good These point. These giant mugs. Yeah, what we what we look at and say that's a coffee mug, they would look at and say that's a soup bowl. Right, it's huge to them. But I mean, we have also have little tiny coffee cups. We don't have giant coffee cups. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, the 1940s we saw the Master Cleanse which is still popular now, and I actually like the Master Cleanse. That started in the 40s? Yes. Um, I like the taste of it, and I do it occasionally. Uh, This cleanse is a combination of hot water, lemon juice, and maple syrup, and cayenne pepper. And it was originally created by Stanley Burroughs in the 1940s and then revived again in his 1976 book called The Master Cleanse. Uh, the biggest resurgence, however, was in 2006 when Beyonce, um, she touted it to be the key to her 20-pound weight loss for Dreamgirls, the movie. Huh. Yeah, she lost 20 pounds on the Master Cleanse. What was Dreamgirls about? Um, it's the, it's like a, it was a Broadway play, uh-huh. a musical, and it's basically of like the Supremes. It was how the band got, a three-girl band got together. Oh, okay. Jamie Foxx was in it and uh, Jennifer Hudson and uh, Beyonce. Uh-huh. Um, and so you're basically fasting when you're doing that, right? You're just drinking water, lemon juice, and maple syrup and you're not eating? Well, yeah, you're, you're liquid fasting. You're not eating solid food. Um, you just do that combination. Uh-huh. I think it's eight ounces of water to a tablespoon or a couple tablespoons of lemon juice and a tablespoon of maple syrup and a dash of cayenne. Uh-huh. And you mix that up and drink it like eight times a day or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, and you don't get hungry if you drink it that many times a day, by the way. I bet. Yeah, your stomach's always full of yeah. Uh, liquid. Yeah. Um, in 1950s, we had the cabbage soup diet, which is, does not sound good. No, it doesn't. Um, it rained for years. Um, in short, it promoted quick weight loss, 10 to 15 pounds in a week. Oh, my God. By simply eating mostly cabbage soup with little amounts of additional fruit, vegetables, and meat. Uh-huh. Um, in the 1960s, it was the drinking man's diet. Here we go. Mainly targeted towards men, hence the title. Uh, This diet recommended you avoid carbs with the exception of drinking as much alcohol as you like. Oh, wow. Here we go. It was referred to as, alcohol was referred to as a good carb. (laughs) A typical meal might be a huge steak salad with a creamy dressing, vegetables, and multiple cocktails. Um, a very early and boozy version of the high-protein, low-carb diet. Yeah, really. I wonder if that's the first time um, a low-carb diet showed up. Maybe. In the 1970s, now this is terrifying, uh, <laughs> it was called the Sleeping Beauty Diet. Uh, this one is crazy. It encourages dieters to sleep for up to 20 hours a day using sleeping pills and sedatives. Oof. 
right? I bet some people died doing that. Yeah, I bet they did. In the 1980s, we had the Scarsdale diet. Probably the most popular diet of this decade was this diet, which promoted a 20-pound weight loss in two weeks. Uh, it was created by Dr. Herman Tarnower. I think that's how you pronounce it. And followers of this diet would consume fewer than 1,000 calories per day, regardless of your age, weight, sex, or activity levels. Um, it's heavy in protein and forbids snacks and numerous healthy foods, such as potatoes, sweet potatoes, rice, avocados, beans, and lentils. Oh, wow. It basically sounds like a low-carb diet. Yeah, if you're doing less than 1,000 a, a calories per day, it probably doesn't even really matter what you eat. Yeah, you're you, going to lose weight. Right. You're forbidden from eating any snacks except carrot, celery, low-sodium veggie soups, and those are only to be to be eaten when like you're you can't you're you dying. Yeah, you have to have food. And you must drink at least four cups of water a day, but you can also drink black coffee, plain tea, or diet soda. Um, the nineteen nineties we had the Atkins diet. Yes, I've heard of the Atkins diet. And it's diet. still going strong right now. Yeah. Um, the 1990s saw a lot of diets from the zone diet and the eat right for your blood type diet to the most popular, the Atkins diet, which was originally created by Dr. Robert Atkins in 1972, but it really reached its popularity, um, the peak of its popularity in the 90s. I wonder what um, brought it back. You know, why did it take so long, 20 years to become popular? I don't know. Um, it was the gr basically it's the granddaddy of all high protein, low carb diets that we see t around today. We tried that once. Yeah, it doesn't work for us. We're, we love the meat like the first week, and then after that we can start to like hear our own heartbeats in our ears. Yes. And uh, No energy whatsoever. Yeah, we don't feel good. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack, Ooh. and I, I don't like killing so many animals for my no. diet goals. No, and it just doesn't work for our bodies. We're ve more vegetable-based people. Uh, basically, on the Atkins diet, you eat high-protein, meat and eggs and full fat dairy, low carb vegetables, nuts, seeds, and full fats, and you avoid sugars, carb, carbohydrates, and fruits. Okay. Avoid fruit, wow. Oh, that's a big thing. People think <laughs> that fruit makes you fat, which is ridiculous. Um, in the 2000s, we had the baby food diet. The baby food diet? Yeah, this is a big uh, Tracy Anderson. She was the one who helped choose a big diet guru who's like Gwyneth Paltrow, Madonna's buddy. Oh, okay. And she does all this exercise stuff and promotes you eating a bunch of baby foods. Baby food. Yeah, so internet phenom Tracy Anderson, she's a celebrity trainer, is uh, credited for the gimmick for cutting calories and controlling portions, and this diet consists of a ridiculous, it's ridiculous, eating up to 14 jars of baby food per day in place of snacks or meals. Huh. You just poop your brains out is basically what it oh, is. Oh, I bet. It probably, yeah. All right, now we're going to talk about popular diets today. Uh, the keto diet, which is a lot, I mean, people either love it or hate it, and we don't, we don't like it. We have no energy. We feel like crap on it. I'm, uh, I'm trying to keep our cat pacified. <laughs> she wants to, she's trying to claw at our 
at our microphone cables that are like all over the floor. She's just like plopped herself down on the floor and is like trying to eat them. Yes. And I'm trying to like like pet her and massage her and keep her from chewing our cables through. So I'm giving you like half of my attention right now. I'm just going to run through this. (laughs) Keto diet. So the keto diet, it's very low carb. It's very high fat. And it shares similarities with the Atkins and low carb diets. Um, It drastically reduces carbohydrate intake and replaces it with fat. So it's not a high meat diet. Because technically, if you eat a lot of meat, it turns into carbs. You can, your body can only process so much protein, uh-huh. and then the rest is dumped as a carb. So it's a more vegetable diet than the no, Atkins it, one? it's fat. Oh, like, it's okay, like, like avocado and like oil and stuff. It's like 70% fat. Okay. If you go high fat. I see. Um, to put your body in a metabolic state called ketosis. So the theory is when this happens, your body becomes incredibly efficient at burning fat for energy, turns your body into a fat-burning machine, and it's very popular with a lot of people. We just feel like shit when we try it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mediterranean diet. It's a way of eating based on the traditional cuisine of countries bordering the Mediterranean Sea. Um, there's not a really one single definition of it, but it's typically really high in vegetables. It's very vegetable-focused mm-hmm. with fruit, whole, grain, whole grains, beans, nuts and seeds, and olive oil. The main components are those things plus a little bit of fish and poultry and eggs, just Uh a little bit, moderate portions of dairy products, and very limited intake of meat. I like the sound of that one. And you also get to drink booze. They like wine. Yes. Um, Plant-based. And ouzo. Yeah. So a plant-based diet or a plant-rich diet consists mostly or entirely of plant foods However, um, that's not ex- that doesn't have to be the case. A plant-based diet uh, either avoids or it just limits animal products, but it's not necessarily vegan. Yeah. Rather, you're just choosing more of your foods from plant sources. Yeah, like you can have an egg with your meal or a little piece of fish with your yeah, meal. Yeah, it's like a side dish or just a flavor thing. It's it's um, yes. you don't eat like a hunk of steak. Right. It's not the centerpiece. Right. And I've heard that that's how um, a lot of Japanese yes. eat. Yes. Yeah, um, the meat is is not the central this, portion. The focus. It's right. like just added for a little bit of flavor. Right. So the vegetarian diets um, focus on plants for food, fruits, vegetables, beans, peas, grains, seeds, and nuts. But there's no single type of vegetarian diet. Um, but they usually fall into the following categories. Uh, vegans who exclude all meat and animal products, lacto-vegetarians who include plant foods plus dairy products, and lacto-ovo-vegetarians who include dairy and eggs. And you don't have a date when those diets started because, as far as we know, people have been doing that since ancient times, right? Yeah, because you eat vegetables and fruit. You eat what you can find, and then if you occasionally get you know if you find a cow with some milk you get milk or if you find an egg you get lucky mm-hmm. and um, hitler i think was a vegetarian I wasn't so. he and albert einstein oh that's nice um raw food diet uh often called raw, raw foodism or raw veganism it's composed of 
mostly or completely raw and unprocessed foods. And it's a whole thing of if food is heated over 100 or 118 degrees, uh-huh. um, it's not considered raw. It's, okay. it's cooked, which I don't do well on raw food. Uh-huh. Um, my gut doesn't like it. So I have to cook vegetables in order to my body to like them. Yeah. But you can juice, blend, dehydrate, soak, and sprout. I was going to ask about like dehydrating. Like, yes. can you can you have like um, like dried fruits and things like that? Yeah, but you do it, and you do it in a dehydrator so it doesn't reach a certain temperature. Oh, I um, see. It's usually okay. plant based, uh, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. Some raw food diets are completely plant based, but some consume raw eggs and dairy, and some people consume raw fish and meat. So it's you know it's up to you. I see. Okay. Uh, the Pegan diet, which is a combination of vegan and paleo, was uh, created by Dr. Mark Hyman. And we're going to get the book because this kind of sounds like more our speed. You are mostly plant-based. 75% of your diet is plant-based, vegetables and fruit. And you can eat meat, but think of it as a topping or a side dish instead of a main course. It does allow for some animal products, um, but it still limits grains, dairy, and legumes. Okay. So kind of similar to the Mediterranean diet. Kind of, yeah. Not a lot of fat. Okay. Um, fruitarians, it's exactly what it sounds like. They eat fruit. <laughs> um, carnivore diet, it's exactly what it sounds like. They just eat meat. Um, they sometimes eat a little bit of the whole fat dairy, like meat and cheese, but nothing else. You are kidding me. Oh, my God. I would have a heart attack in uh, like Mark a month. Mark Wahlberg tried it, and he had to go plant-based because he fucked up his health so badly. Yeah, I would think that would mess you up fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, high starch diet or the McDougal diet, um, it's basically just whole grains, whole grain products, like and a wide assortment of vegetables and fruit and some spices. Um, you eat a ton of tubers, potatoes, um, pasta, tortillas, whole grain bread, and little or no fat. Okay. Yeah. Fats are, they don't like that. Hmm. Now we're going to spend the last part talking about intermittent fasting, which is what we've been doing. Yeah. We enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a healing fasting. It's, I've heard some crazy things like it's a eating disorder. Uh-huh. It's not an eating disorder. We like to eat. No. It's it's for health. I think there's some science behind There's the a lot of intermittent science. Fasting. And I'm not going to get into it, but mm-hmm. research the science behind it. It works for healing and it works for weight loss and it works for anti-aging. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, intermittent fasting is an umbrella term for various meal timing schedules. That's all it is. It's a cycle between voluntarily not eating and actually eating. That's all it is. Uh, Basically, you don't eat for a period of time, and then you have an eating window, which is a time that you eat during the day. And there are many protocols that fasters use, and I'm going to run down just a couple of them, and I'm almost done. Um, The 16-8 method involves you fast for 16 hours, and then you eat for 8 hours. Mm -hmm. And you can have three meals, a bunch of snacks, whatever you want. That's a good way to start. It's a good way to start. An 8-hour window, you can fit a lot of food in there if you want to. Yeah, and people who try intermittent fasting and they start complaining about they're not losing weight, you can't lose weight on a 6-8. 
16.8. That's 16.8, yeah. You can't lose weight like that. <laughs> unless, unless you've just been eating 24 hours a day. I think it's just a, a way to, uh, to get ready it's for a what's coming next. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then the 5-2 method involves eating normally for five days a week, and then you restrict your calorie intake to about 500 calories for two days of the week. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. Eat, stop, eat is another one. It involves a 24-hour fast once or twice a week. Oh, okay. So you just don't eat for two days. Uh-huh. Um, alternate day fasting, you just eat every other day. It's mm-hmm. very simple. Okay. Drink a lot of water, drink some coffee, and then just eat every other day. Uh-huh. Then what we do is called OMAD, or one meal a day. Mm-hmm. Most days. Sometimes we do two if we're going out to breakfast, or if we're, if you're, if we're really hungry in the morning, mm-hmm. then you do it, but it's very rare. Yeah. Uh, one meal a day, it's exactly what it sounds like. When you're ready to eat during the day, um, usually ours is a late lunch, uh, you open your eating window for one or two hours, and you eat one meal. Mm-hmm. And once you're done, you close your eating window until the next day. Yeah. And I like that one because um, I don't get super hungry between the meals, but when when it's time to eat, I'm excited, but there's only so much that you can eat in one right. meal before you're full again. Your right. stomach, you know, kind of shrinks up and, you know, you're, you're super full at the end of your meal. And I like that sensation of feeling full. Yeah. And you can eat what you want. Like you don't have to restrict foods or whatever. Well, we do because we just feel better on vegetables. But yeah, I just enjoy it because um, there are many perks. And I may, I think I'm going to do one on um, one meal a day separately from this because of the perks. There's yeah. appetite correction, which may, means you're not hungry all day. At some point during when you, after you begin, it may take, you know, a week, it may take three months, mm-hmm. but you don't get hungry anymore until your meal. Yeah. You're, you're not there yet. No, I'm not. Um, I, I'm new to this. But, uh, and it leaves so much time for your body to heal itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I'll do another one. I'm not going to talk about it, but we you, enjoy I, it. Yeah. And I think it's effective too. I think that you will lose weight and you can do it in a healthy way with... Oh, yeah, because there's no way you can eat like 3,000 calories for right, one meal. Right, right. You'll just get sick. I'm no scientist or anything, but it, <laughs> it works for me. Yeah, we like it. But, you know, to each his own. Whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have any comments, questions, uh, email us at tellmeaboutthething at gmail.com. That's tellmeaboutthething at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at tell underscore me underscore podcast. And again, all of our links to our website and um, Instagram and all that stuff, our email, it's on our podcast bios and it's on every platform. So we ran right up to our uh, oh, yeah. 60 minute time. That we was a good job. We try to keep it under an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you for joining us. That and was a fun one. Yeah. Or at least yours was fun. Yeah, mine was fun. <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye.